Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central simpler communications coming through in the clutch within the clutch sports apparel your one-stop shop for all your unique phantom sports apparel with fully licensed merchandise covering the major five sports your favorite players and all the teams from every major city with unique feature designs that only you as the fan will have go to in and use promo code belly show for 10 percent off your order today with free shipping on orders of $100 or more. Again, that's promo code BellyUpMDFFSHOW for 10% off your unique fandom collection today. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Welcome in and thank you for joining another edition of the MD's Fantasy Football Show. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater, joined here with Chris Dowhauer. And we have another great guest here for this week when we talk about the team profiles for the AFC East, Mr. Joe Pizapia of Fantasy Pros. He also hosts Betting Pros and he's on the Sports Grid Network. Joe, thank you so much for taking the time out to come with us today. Well, I appreciate you having me, and uh, I, I'm i grateful for the invitation, and I look forward to speaking. I, I re- represent my Patriots today uh, for the brand of the show, the AFC East preview, but I always put my fandom aside, especially because the Patriots, historically, are not the most fun team when it comes to fantasy sports. So don't worry. 
no homerisms, no BS here. I keep it real. That's what I do. Well, it's funny because I like to actually ask this question of our guests that we have when we do these team profile series. So I, as a 49ers fan, from when it comes to a fantasy perspective, I'm actually a little more pessimistic when it comes to evaluating their fantasy value than I am optimistic. But I wonder mm-hmm. where do you fall on the table with being a Patriots fan right now? <laughs> Realistic. <laughs> I think that's, <laughs> that's the best thing I can always be. Um, look, I think second-year quarterback, I think Mac Jones showed you a lot in his first year. He's very capable. I think he was capable of more, and I think they were still a little guarded. There were certain times where I wish they would push the ball downfield a little bit more because he's got the arm to do it. They also just didn't have the receivers to do that. Now, Devontae Parker is a guy that always gets hurt, but when he's on the field, he can be very useful. He can be a a lead wide receiver. I don't want to use the phrase wide receiver one. That's a dangerous term on a fantasy show, <laughs> but he can be their lead wide receiver, and I think improve that group overall. Uh, he's got a veteran presence there, and, and look, you know, I think that – You know, when you're looking at the landscape of the quarterbacks in this division, you know, it's Josh Allen and everybody else still. I mean, he is the the class by far and 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 with good reason. We haven't had a guy go back to back as QB one overall in fantasy in quite some time, but he did it the last two years. We had like four different guys in four different seasons before Josh Allen. So, you know, that's interesting to see somebody be dominant two years in a row and be that number one guy two years in a row. That's something that hasn't happened. You had Patrick Mahomes, you had Allen, you had uh, Lamar Jackson. You have a host of different guys who all filled that role at one time or another in the last five years. So it was cool to see him kind of say, nope, I'm the dude. I'm the one one in Superflex. And I think that's that's cool. So, yeah, exactly. And let's get right into it. Then. Obvious starters. Welcome back, Captain Obvious. Yes, I am. All right. So if you guys weren't with us last week, we're introducing some new segments that we're going to be have during the in-season part of it when some obvious starts look out for lock them in be cautious of and i want to implement those as we go through the team profiles here so obvious starters we actually didn't get to use that drop last week chris because the nfc east doesn't have anybody in that elite tier we have guys we're excited for but nobody in that elite tier be able to use it on so i'm using it here on Josh Allen as Joe was just talking about who is the ADP QB1 he's my QB1 and for everything that Joe just talked about I'm not worried about you know repeat status when you look at Josh Allen we always talk about we love these cheat code quarterbacks who are mobile but with Josh Allen you're getting the the top notch passing production along with the fact that this guy's going to run in a lot of touchdowns. Yes, they brought in James Cook. They might use the running backs a little bit more. But Devin Singletary, James Cook, I think Zach Moss might be the odd man left out. He still might be the goal line back. But what do you think, Chris? When you look at Josh Allen heading into this year, is there anything anyone that you think you could actually rank ahead of him going into the 2022 season? I think it's definitely difficult. I mean, as Joe alluded to, back-to-back guys, there's only a few guys have done that. Um, I like the Ken Dorsey hiring or replacement, I should say, where Brian Diablo keeps continuity, but I also think he's going to help kind of take off some of the pressure on him as the short passing game and me run a ball a bit more, be a little more physical. Um, so where I think Josh Allen has a great floor and a great ceiling is that not only can he use the legs, we see a lot of guys as they get that big contract to kind of use legs less and less, um, but he makes up for it in the passing production. So it's not a guy that maybe you're not going to necessarily always get the six rushing touch, you know, six points for the rushing touchdown, but maybe get the four consistently because he's hitting, you know, all the weapons he has in place. Adding an OJ Howard, adding different guys that they had in, in the draft, like Khalil Shakir, for example. So I think Josh Allen is a guy definitely going to be top three. Now, guys that maybe can you know, compete with him. Um, I'm a big Lamar Jackson, you know, fan. I think the, the rushing production is going to be there. I kind of expect him to kind of get the passing back online. Um, so with those guys, you know, Patrick Mahomes is always a guy. I know Tyreek Hill moved on, but th- this guy still you know, can air up with anybody, air it out with anybody. So I think that you look at guys that maybe can compete, 
Um, you know, there's some guys there, but I think Josh Allen is probably that safest guy as number one. I want to ask Joe this question because this is the million-dollar question when it comes to Josh Allen and, frankly, the entire Buffalo Bills offense. What do you think the changes, if any, from Dable to Dorsey you, th- you think we might see? Very little. Uh, Ken Dorsey is a very fiery guy, so that's the only difference. Dable is a little bit more of a, a subdued character, and I'm old enough to remember Ken Dorsey, the quarterback in Miami, who was pretty good. People forget, you know, two-time All-American the from the fan. U. There you go, from the U, baby. Um, so the guy knows what he's talking about. And I think, you know, whenever you get a guy who's been out there in the games and, and, and played at higher levels of football – I do think that that means something and that's something that's translatable. And maybe this is, you know, Ken Dorsey, somebody that can help refine some of these other skills. And it's not like somebody new to the organization either. So, uh, you know, Dayball is great, but you know, the one thing we always learn, uh, you know, about all these coaches, we see these coordinators get these jobs, other places. And and we all think the coordinators are geniuses and they'll go, Oh no, wait, it's Tom Brady. Who's a genius or it's Patrick Mahomes. Who's a genius or it's Josh Allen. That's a genius because of the talent they have. And yes, coaching can help great talent, but Josh Allen's a great talent first and foremost. So I have no concerns about the, the changeover. Uh, I think Dorsey will be um, somebody very helpful. I, there's been talk. He hasn't decided if he's calling plays from um, the booth yet, or if he's going to be calling plays from the field. So that remains to be seen. That's something they have to work out. Uh, I saw, I think it was Gabriel Davis made the comment because Dorsey's such a fiery guy. He said, I hope he's in the booth, uh, <laughs> you know, just, which is great. That kind of tells you there's a rapport. Right. It tells you that these guys get along. It tells you, you know, there there's a camaraderie here. And I think the bills are loaded for bear. It's a great roster. I think the best top to bottom roster in the NFL personally. And they show that they can compete with the big boys. They can compete with the chiefs. They can compete with all these teams in the AFC and the NFC also. So uh, to me, I'm not concerned at all. And you're right, Josh Allen, you know, there's not a lot of guys out there that can rush. Well, there's guys out there that can rush for 800 yards, right. Or 750, or maybe even push nine. Right. There's not a lot of guys who could also throw for 4,500 on top of that. And I think that's the difference with Josh Allen. And I like that they've paired away some of the older guys. I like that they've, you know, they're no more Cole Beasley, no more Emmanuel Sanders. You know, let's get Gabriel Davis the football some more. Let's go draft a speedy guy like James Cook. Let's get a little bit more dynamic out there in space. And and Khalil Shakur is another player, too, that I think has a lot of upside if he can pick up the offense as time goes on in the season. Yeah, I love it. Let's go into our next segment. Look out for. Now, remember, look out for. It could be either a guy that I like who might be on the upcoming, might be a sleeper, might be a sneaky little pick, or it could be a guy that maybe he's getting projected in an area in which you might start him, want to draft him a little bit high, but I have some red flags on. Tua Tagovailoa somehow is both. He's somehow both those guys <laughs> simultaneously. His ADP right now is QB 18. I have him ranked at QB 17. We have the obvious upside, right? They add Tyree Kill. There's Jalen Waddle still there on the team. You have finally a head coach who has an offensive mindset, but we still have the questions about what's his ability. He was 27th last year in deep ball pass attempts, or I'm sorry, 27th in 2020. He was 30th in 2021 in deep ball pass attempts. So he's got to get naturally more aggressive. I don't really care about the video going around and OTAs about it being short. That doesn't matter to me. I, we'll talk when it comes to preseason when he's actually going up against live 7-on-7 drills or live 11-on-11 in training camp to see how he looks then. But with Tua, is he able to finally put it all together? The one thing I want to say that I think has been completely unfair when we talk about Tua is that no one seems to just recognize 
how bad of an injury he was returning from coming out of college. And I think we might be seeing the healthiest Tua we've seen so far in his career. Now, does that add up in the production on the field? I think it could be remain to be seen. But Chris, I know you're a Tua fan, so I'm going to let you kind of have the floor first on this one. Talk to me about what your expectations with Tua with his new weapons and new head coach. Yeah, I'm extremely bullish on Tua this year, and I'm going to continue to doubt that until, you know, maybe I get shot down as the season progresses. But I think when you look at a guy talk about health, um, this guy has, you know, mobility, is able to use his legs. One of the things that I think is significant that people, you know, kind of forget about the Tyreek Hill move is that that offensive line is significantly improved. Um, I think that you add a all-pro tackle and you add some interior help. One of the two has been getting smacked around the last two years, and he's had different coordinators over and over again. I mean, last year he basically had two coordinators calling different plays, and they it was really hard for this guy kind of getting a rhythm. Um, you talk about the aggressiveness down the field. Even if that doesn't materialize, let's just go worst-case scenario. He could be Alex Smith, okay? And if he's Alex Smith, Alex Smith was a top 10 finisher most fantasy years towards the end of his career because he can make accurate throws. He can scramble around a little bit. He might run in a touchdown here or there. So when you put all those things together, Tua's going to have a safe floor. Now, where I see the ceiling is, is I think the system's going to fit him to a T. I think he's got the weapons in place. I think it does not gonna, he's not going to go out there and have to be Patrick Mahomes necessarily. But one of the guys I have loved, you know, historically was Steve Young. And Tua reminds me so much of Steve Young in so many different ways. And now that he has the, the guys who can make things after the catch – and you are sorry, hot take alert, but good. <laughs> yeah, no, but I mean, I said that coming out of the draft. I think this, when you look at his talent and skill set, they're very similar. So, where I see him being able to kind of progress is, is he able to kind of have guys who could make plays after the catch? I don't think he's not going to be a guy who's not going to be aggressive. I think a lot of the things were kind of put on him that was a play calling as a result of a really, really crappy offensive line. Okay. Well, Joe, I mean, to a fantasy stud or fantasy dud. Well, first off, if Tua reminds you of Steve Young, then I must think that I remind you of Brad Pitt. I would imagine that's got to be <laughs> the easy next equation there. Look, uh, first of all, just want to shout out to Steve Young. Steve Young, one of the most prolific athletes we've ever seen in the NFL. Phenomenal thrower of the football. Great speed. I do agree with what Chris is saying. If indeed they bring over the philosophy from San Francisco, which is those quick slants, that's right into his wheelhouse because that's something in Alabama, you know, what Tua is so good at is sitting behind a good offensive line and making good reads and being smart with the football. That's what Tua excels at. That's what he excelled with at Alabama. That's why they had uh, such good offenses there around him. Uh, but at the same time, you can add all the talent you want. Not only does he not throw a good deep ball, he also does not, um, on top of which, have a lot of time because that offensive line is not any good. So if the offensive line was really good, I'd be a little bit more bullish on Tua. I personally have him at, at 22. And the reason I have him at 22 is because I'm looking at guys ahead of him like Ryan Tannehill, who has shown that he can be, you know, a, a, a low-end QB1 in this league. Last year, everything broke the wrong direction for him in terms of the wide receivers. So, And then Derrick Henry got hurt. So as much as we want to hang some negatives on Tannehill, he was in a terrible scenario there. There's only so much you could do with no weapons. Uh, I'm still more bullish on Trevor Lawrence. I think Matt Ryan with a good offensive line, just like when he dropped Phillip Rivers in front of that offensive line a couple of years ago, I think the same thing, if not better, from Matt Ryan. So two as a guy for me, that's still a work in progress. I also agree with the sentiment that the further away from the injury, the better off. Um, but you know, I still can't wrap my mind around the new head coach, Mike McDaniel, because he still comes off as a bit of a goofball to me. And I, I love personality. That's awesome. But like, I like personality on my fantasy football podcast. Like you guys, you're fun. We're talking football. <laughs> I don't know if I want it being the head coach of my fantasy, of my actual fantasy, of my actual team. I shouldn't say fantasy, my actual NFL team. 
So I, I think there's a little wait and see when it comes to Tua and his progression here. Sure, there's every room for him to improve. He is a hardworking guy. He is somebody that I thought was going to start very early despite the injury in his rookie year. And to his credit, he did. He is a competitor. But it's yet to remain to be seen that just because you add another weapon like Tyreek Hill, who some statistics will show you is in a bit of a decline already, just because you add that guy doesn't automatically take away all the ills that go around him, which are some of the arm deficits and the offensive line. Because once again, if you don't have time to throw the football and time to make good decisions with it, that puts an extra pressure on you. So like I said, Tua, low-end QB1, I think we could all agree that's probably where he goes, and then we could split hairs on who you like more. Yeah, I agree. There's another guy I want to look out for. I want to look out for Zach Wilson. Now, I his ADP is at QB24. I only have him one spot ahead at QB23 as it stands right now. He's a little bit of an enigma for me because there's this rushing ability that he has that he didn't really tap into too much in his rookie season that he could get into, which could give him a fantasy floor of nothing else heading into the next season. And, and it was it was on display last year, weeks one through five. He's a QB 30. He gets hurt. He wasn't running that much to start off the season. Comes back about week 12, week 12 through week 18. He's a QB 12. What happened? He was running a little bit more. He got all four of his rushing touchdowns during that stretch. And he was getting a little bit better in the passing game. The one thing that stuck out to me when I was watching Zach Wilson last year, the game looked a little fast for him. So does it mm-hmm. slow down for him heading into this season? Uh, Joe, I want to kick back right back to you on this one. What do you think about Zach Wilson? They do draft Garrett Wilson. They do have Elijah Moore. There's some weapons to like there. But ultimately, do you think this is a guy that can put it all together? In last year's draft, I had Zach Wilson as my fifth quarterback by far. Um, so I'm not surprised the game was too fast for him last year. Uh, he was completely overmatched. You saw in that game against the Patriots even that he was – you know, completely confused by every defensive look that they gave him. And and that's what Belichick usually can do to a rookie quarterback is confuse them easily. Uh, and he did it very easily. Hence all the, I think he's still, I think he threw another pick just now in that game. Like he's still throwing picks in that game. It was so ridiculous. <laughs> the kid has athleticism. The kid has a lot of heart. What always concerned me with him when you watch the tape of, of him playing in college is He's a guy that did benefit, once again, just like Tua, from a very good offensive line and the combination of um, opponents that were not SEC-level opponents. So it's easy to look good and make plays against guys who are not playing in the NFL. When you're making plays in the SEC, that's when you have my attention. Or you're making plays in your you know, bigger-time program. And I think sometimes you know we get that loss. And that was all the knock on you know, people wanted to say all those things about Trey Lance, but I'm like, those are all the same things you could say about Zach Wilson. He doesn't have the size or the athleticism. I can't teach the athleticism and the size. And that was the thing I talked about Josh Allen with, and people argued with me. I had Josh Allen as my number one quarterback in that class that year he came out, and people thought I was nuts. And I had Lamar as my two. They're like, what about Baker Mayfield? What about Josh Rosen, who's so ready for the NFL? And I can't teach what those guys can do but I can teach what those guys do so well to do it better. You can, you can hone the athleticism if the guy's willing to work. I think Zach Wilson's ready to work. I think he's willing to work. I'm just not sold right now that he's the kind of guy that can go out there and lead an NFL offense yet. I might be proven wrong, but in terms of fantasy this year, fantasy, I'm not making any investments in the Jets offense because until you prove it, I'm out. And then in dynasty leagues, he's an intriguing buy low 
if you like so much the weapons that they've added. And that's the dangerous thing. They've added a lot of talent around him. The Jets had a great draft. Yes, I just said that. The Jets had a great draft. They have Garrett Wilson. They have Elijah Moore. They have Brees Hall. They have a lot to work with. But if you recall, you know, last year, we also said, look at all the stuff Drew Locke has to work with. It's too big to fail. And the Broncos offense failed. So if you don't have the right quarterback, you don't have it. So I'm out on Zach Wilson until further notice till he proves it. Well, for me, too, it's not just about Zach Wilson. I I was higher on Zach Wilson than you were coming into the NFL draft process. I have real problems with Matt LaFleur or Mike. Sorry, excuse me, Mike LaFleur trying to get the right LaFleur's here. But he doesn't he runs the I want to say the the dumbed down version is the best way I can think of it off the top of my head. Kyle Shanahan part of the system. And that's what concerns me. And we'll get into that more with the wide receiver aspect, too. But, Chris, is it is it Zach Wilson? Is it LaFleur? Is it both? Quickly. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just the coaching staff. I think Zach Wilson's still a young quarterback. And before we judge some of these quarterbacks, you know, I, I agree with Joe Sediment about drafting, you know, draft capital on him. I definitely take a dynasty shot on him. But you look at Steve Young, I, you know, I, I throw out the comparison. Look at Steve Young's first couple of years at Tampa Bay and with the with the notion about how great he was as a player. So before we judge some of these quarterbacks, see when they have a good, better situation around them. To see one one counter to that, Chris, go look at his USFL stats where he played in a very competitive USFL and he broke every passing record they ever had because he played in a good offensive line. Those Tampa teams were – that was the one they're, they're horrible. You know, they're a one in 15 at the time, whatever they were, the worst teams that you've ever seen. And, and, and the Dolphins so, I just don't think Tua has the same skill set. That's all. All right, let's uh, move on. Be cautious of. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I like debate. Chris and I are having a good debate. You know, they, let him come yell at me. I think I got a second delay here on my end. I thought he was done and I saw he was talking. Chris, finish your thought, please. No, uh, no you're good. You go ahead. Go ahead. No. Okay. Well, be cautious. Be cautious of Mac Jones. Okay, Mac Jones, ADP, QB 23. I am a QB 27, ultimately because I just don't think there's much upside to really like here with the Mac Jones. Uh, the offense might be crazily unchecked with Bill Belichick being un- unleashed, essentially, with no Joshua Daniels. He's running the offense with him and, and Joe Judge, and I-, I don't even know. So... We'll just kick this to Joe. Joe, with Mac Jones, is there is there any upside that you're looking for in 2022? Dynasty, I know he's a good quarterback. Might be interested in him there. But for 2022, is there really any upside? Um, You know, I mean, 3,800 yards last year as a rookie, I think is pretty, pretty special. And I don't think we talk enough about it. I mean, you'd like to see him throw for more touchdowns. That's clear. He only had 22 last year. He finishes QB 17. Uh, this year, I'm expecting some guys to take a step forward who weren't very good last year, like Lawrence, like Fields, those kind of guys. So Mac Jones is still a top 20 quarterback for me. He's right at 20. Uh, I think he's safe. I think in Superflex Dynasty, he's a safe QB too. Eventually, could he get to a QB1 status? He might be able to. And, and it would not shock me in the slightest if Mac Jones is the person calling the plays. Mac Jones is a bit of a, a football nerd. Like, this guy does nothing but watch film, does nothing. Like, this is what he does. And you know, a lot like Tom Brady, you know, we give a lot of credit once again to Josh McDaniels and all these people and Bill O'Brien, you know, but really, it goes to the quarterback at the end of the day. It goes to the player uh, more than anything. So to me, Mac Jones is going to be in charge of this offense more than people realize. And I don't think that's a scary thing at all. If anything, maybe it takes the reins off just a bit. And if he's got a little bit more confidence the year, this year with a little bit better surroundings, a little bit more comfort in the offense. I mean, the Patriots offense is so difficult to pick up and just ask any 
you know, buddy from Chad Ochocinco to Cam Newton trying to figure out how to run things properly. So the fact that this kid came in there and threw for 3,800 yards his first year is pretty good, even with the extra game. So I think that you look at Mac Jones, you're 100% right. There's still going to be a team that plays defense and runs the football. That's their dynamic. But I do think there's slight room for growth in the touchdown category. I think he can scratch out 4,000 yards. I think he can hit that. I, I don't think that's asking too much. And I think that he could probably push that touchdown total to somewhere around 26, 27. I think that would be a very strong QB 16-ish finish once again. And I think that's kind of, at least for now, what Mac Jones is. Chris, help me out in the next segment. Look out for... I'm looking out for Devin Singletary. I'm a little bit higher than him than the ADP sits at as of this moment. Right now, RB29. I have him as my RB25 heading into this year. Now, I'm not trying to get too swept away by what he was able to accomplish towards the end of last season, but I do think it's interesting of note to me I think he's leapfrog Zach Moss, who I think might be left out of the offense this year. I think they're ready to kind of just move on from what he was able to give them and allow Devin Singletary to at least have the first, second down goal line work possibly. But do you think he does stay in front of Zach Moss? And does James Cook get relegated to just the passing down role to allow Devin Singletary to be that carry touchdown performance in, in your mind? No, I think you saw Singletary take off when he became the, the, the guy in the backfield. Whether he leaps Moss, I don't think I think is irrelevant. I mean, um, I think the key is going to be Cook, and I also think that they added Duke Johnson. So you put the other backs. Obviously, they were trying to upgrade the backfield for some kind of reason. They were definitely looking for a pass catcher. They tried to sign J.D. McKissick. That didn't work out, so they, they drafted Cook in the draft. So obviously, they have a need and are looking for certain fits for the backfield. So Devin Singletary, to me, is productive as a true guy or, or a, a top-tier guy that he was last and towards the end of the last season when he was getting all the touches. If he's not going to be that, then we saw the beginning of the season, three running backs getting rotated in there for different roles is really hard to kind of you know eat off of. Well, and, and Joe, I'm going to ask you this. So they draft James Cook. Everyone's real excited because he's a big play guy. He's a pass catching guy. It's a pass first, up-tempo offense. But I have yeah. a little bit of questions. It reminds me a little bit of the Clyde Edwards-Hilaire situation where <laughs> everyone thought he was going to get all these pass, you know, pass receptions, but he's paired up with a quarterback who doesn't check the ball down? Josh Allen only had almost 14% of his attempts went to running backs. Does he no, able, yeah. is he able to take is he able to take advantage of what little is there? And does Josh Allen make an, a concerted effort to check the ball down more just because he has James Cook? I don't know about concerted effort, but I think there will be opportunity. Uh and it makes James Cook a fascinating potential flex RB. Um, I think that's kind of the range this is like a fourth running back. I think he's super interesting. Uh, the upsides there, the speeds there too. So the one thing between him and Alaire is different. Uh, Cook is a much faster player. He's faster than his brother. Um, so Cook, you know, brings that speed element too. But when it comes to Singletary, you know, what's interesting about him, uh, you know, in PFF grading, you know, he was the fourth ranked running back uh, in rushes of 15 plus yards and seventh ranked in forced uh, missed tackles last year. So Singletary proved a lot in that stretch last year. Uh, I have him kind of where consensus is. I think I'm like one spot higher just because, you know, once again, whenever you do spend some draft capital on a running back, it gives you a little bit of pause and, and Singletary's missed some time. Zach Moss is completely, you know, forget Zach Moss, like irrelevant is definitely the right word I think there, but you know, I think when you look at this offense, it comes back to, you know, if I can draft, uh, a guy in a bad offense or a guy in a good offense, I, and I'm splitting hairs right there, then I'm looking for Devin Singletary. He plays in a good offense because I'm going to try to put my faith there. So um, I, right now I have Singletary is 28. I have James Cook is like 34th, 35th in that range. So there's a little bit of distance between them. Uh, that gap could change. But right now I do think Singletary is almost kind of 
a bit underappreciated, undervalued. And, you know, he has had spurts. The problem is spurts, you know, aren't great because that means at some point you're missing time. So for Singletary to really solidify himself, he has got to be a little bit more durable and got to stay on the field more. And that's something he struggled with over the last couple of years. You know, I'm looking at my notes here, and uh, I realize I have pretty much all the top running backs of the AFC East in my lookout for tier for one reason or another. Chris, help me out here with with, with Brees Hall. Um, first of all, for me, why did he have to get drafted by the Jets of all, of all teams? Why did he have to go to a system that is known for rotating running backs, wanting to use a committee, and why did he have to ruin Michael Carter in the process? But Right now, Brees Hall, ADP, RB21. I'm a little bit lower. I got him at RB26. And that's in the reflection of this is a system that they're not just going to give it all to Brees Hall. I do think Michael Carter is going to be involved for eight to 10 touches a game. I do think Tevin Coleman, the ghost of Tevin Coleman, that won't just disappear and they keep bringing back for absolutely no reason whatsoever, is probably four to six touches, maybe. You add all that up, Brees Hall is looking at a max of maybe 15 touches, 16 touches in a single game. Not a guy that I want to be all in on as an RB2, even though I love the ability. But what do you think about Brees Hall this season? Yeah, I think it's going to be kind of, you know, you hit a lot of good points where the, the system doesn't necessarily make him, you know, Najee Harris, for example, where you can get everything out there, you can get all the catches, go and run the ball all the time. Um, we saw Michael Carter struggle to get the playing time, even though he was clearly the best backfield back in the backfield last year. So I thought Michael Carter's not going anywhere necessarily. I think you'll see the 8 to 10 touches he kind of talked about. The key to me is going to be, does he get that 15, 16 touches consistently? Because if there's an injury here or there, and, you know, Joe, Joe kind of alluded to it, the Buffalo backfield in a sense, when you have opportunity to kind of solidify yourself as the, as the guy, then you might kind of steal the opportunity. So let's say where I, I might spend a little bit more extra than I think that Brees Hall is worth in a sense is towards the end of the season, he might win you a championship because he might get four or five games in a row where he rips off, you know, some big yardage and some big plays for you because maybe Michael Carter's hurt or Tevin Coleman by that time is obviously going to be hurt because Tevin Coleman's always hurt. So I think you look at those things. Um, is a guy that I don't like where he's getting drafted, but I might think about it just because having him on your roster could be a game changer. I, I mean, Joe, do you think his talent just wins out at the end of the day? Or, or are we just looking at somebody that, that everyone just might be too excited about because he was the first running back drafted in the NFL draft? I think there's a bit of both. Um, personally, I think Brees Hall has the ability to finish as a low-end RB1, but doesn't mean you necessarily should draft him that way. Um, and I think what I struggle with is when you start to look at the names, once you get out of the top 12, 13 guys, you start to look around and, and you start to have, you know, a lot of questions. You have questions about Cam Akers. You have questions about Zeke. You have questions about Montgomery. It's just like, do you want to take the guys you have questions about that you've seen before or this fresh new question that you haven't seen? And I think what it comes down to for me, once again, is I'm trying to pair away and make decisions based on offenses. Who is in the better offense? And do I believe in the quarterback? Because at the end of the day, if I don't believe in the quarterback, even though it's a running back situation, the running back is at a mercy of the quarterback moving the change, staying on the field. If you move the chains, if you can get yardage, if you can get scoring opportunities, all of that impacts a running back positively, even a pass-heavy offense. Just look at Leonard Fournette last year. It's a perfect example, right? It's a pass-heavy offense. I'm brave for 5,000 yards, and Leonard Fournette still had a pretty darn good finish to the season. Uh, in half PPR, he finished his RB5. So, yeah, of course, you can absolutely, you know, see a path for Brees Hall to reach that status it's just tricky to see whether or not you want to anoint him as that status that's the, that's the tricky part you got to disseminate and you have to realize 
Also, who's the running back you have ahead of him? If you have somebody like Mixon or Chubb, if you're really good about it, and you want to take a shot on Brees Hall, that's fine. But if you've waited on running back and you're taking a shot on somebody else that you're not super comfortable with, or let's say, like say Saquon Barkley's got a ton of question marks, right? And they have Brees Hall too. That's a lot of questions in the backfield. It could be great. It could be a complete and utter disaster. So I think Brees Hall has all the opportunity. But once again, I'm going to draft him off whatever that low end floor is, or what that mid level floor at the very least, where probably an RB2 is his mid level floor. And if I have to pay, low end or low end RB1 or high end RB2 price for him. I think that shies me off him a little bit. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun. So winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino style games to choose from, you too could win life changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a world. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. This holiday season, Lexus wants you to remember. Nothing feels as good as making others feel good. Those so-called feel-good holiday films? They can't hold a gingerbread-scented candle to the feeling of giving them something that gives them all the feels. Make this December one to remember. Together. Click the banner to discover more. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Yeah, and I, I think that's great advice, by the way. Always look at how your draft is going to pair up your players appropriately because you don't want to have too many risks in your lineups because that's how, again, you can lose your league at the draft. You can't win it, but you don't want to put yourself in that position. I want to stay with Joe for this next one because it's the Patriot backfield, the disaster that is always the Patriot backfield. <laughs> Damien Harris right now is ADPs at RB25. I have him at RB27. I'm pretty sure I'm probably going to be moving him down by the time we get to August. And the big reason why is I think Ramondre Stevenson is here to stay. Last year, when he got back from his injury, from week eight on, 89 carries for Damien Harris in that stretch in the games that they played together. 86 for Ramondre Stevenson. Nine targets for Harris, eight targets for Stevenson when they were on the field together in the second half of the season. Now, obviously both of them were pretty much irrelevant in the passing game, but whether you looked at the carries, where you looked at the targets, they were pretty even. So I have a lot of questions about drafting Damian Harris as this high end RB three. Cause I think you're banking on the touchdown production that he gave last season, which I think might be a little bit much for him to replicate this year. But uh, can you make sense of this running backfield for the Patriots? Uh, uh, yeah, in a little sense. Um, Look, this is probably the last year they're going to use Damian Harris and then they're going to burn him and churn him like they do with other running backs. So they're not going to pay him. They don't usually give second contracts to running backs in the Patriots. That's not historically what they do. So I would look for him to get at least the opportunity for a huge workload again. Uh, I would imagine he's going to have 200 attempts at least running the football. Uh, I think he's going to get somewhere around at least 900 to 1,000 yards rushing. The 15 touchdowns were great last year, but... I think there's a, even if he gets 12, I think he returns value. He was RB 13 and half PPR last year. So, uh, you know, does he fall to 15 this year? Okay. Still pretty good investment considering you're getting him in the twenties. I mean, that that's the thing for me. It's like, if you want to give me a Brees Hall or Damian Harris, most people are going to pick Brees Hall and not think twice because of they look at the potential. Meanwhile, I'm looking at the floor and I like, I know what Damian Harris is and, and look, Ramondre Stevens is there. It's an easy handcuff also. Um, I know they drafted Pierre Strong, who has some talent and ability, but 
Damian Harris, I think, is going to be once again a boring running back, but a running back nonetheless that's going to see the lion's share of the carry volume and still be pretty good around that goal line area. You know, once once Cam Newton wasn't running every ball in the end zone, all of a sudden Damian <laughs> Harris just you know flourished. And that's the whole thing. I mean, Mac Jones isn't running the ball in the end zone. That's not happening. Well, maybe it'll happen once or twice a year. That's it. But for the most part, it's going to be Damian Harris running that football in. And I do think he can come close to repeating last year's stats, maybe a little bit more yardage. Uh, and maybe a little less touchdowns, but still that kind of evens out over time. Well, uh, and Chris, we're here to give people advice about their drafts and stuff like that upcoming. You look at Ramondre Stevenson, his ADP right now is at RB38, while, like I said, Damian Harris is at RB25. If you're going to draft a Patriot running back, for me, I'm going to take Stevenson, because I do think the, the carries, the touches overall are going to be pretty similar between the two, and you can get Stevenson two, three, maybe even four rounds later, depending upon how your draft goes. Are you looking at it similar, or would you rather just have Damian Harris because you know he should be leading the way? No, I think I like Stevenson where you're kind of talking about. I like the value, but I also like the fact that when they do throw the ball to the backs, Stevenson is one of those guys who got the ball thrown to him once in a while. So I think there's a there's a role there. He has more of a safer floor. Both these guys, and let's not forget, were flex options towards the end of the season. You know, toward, And they remind me a lot, not necessarily talent-wise, but the kind of rule where they can kind of fill in your fantasy team is with A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones. I think that you might see a kind of flip-flop in a sense where I think you see Harris become more of that, you know, that guy they're utilizing as the A.J. Dillon got the smash mouth guy, the red zone guy. And then you have a Stevenson who does a little bit more, catches the ball a bit more. Because you even saw that last year, like they use him a lot more in a screen game. They use him a lot more, um, you know, as a pass protector. So I think those different things. Uh, I'm not really worried about Pierre Strong. The Patriots historically don't play the rookie running backs. They usually redshirt you your, your rookie year. So I think that we look at all unless you're Stevenson. Well, Stevenson, I think that's I think that's why he stands out so much. He because he, he has. I'm one of the things we talked about in our draft show going into that was you're a big fan of his particular how big he is. He was a good pass protector already, and he can catch the ball. He's pretty nimble out of the backfield, and people were kind. Of, I think people were kind of throwing off that he could do that. He's not like Eric Blunt. That's what we kept getting a comp for. He's not. He's a little bit different. And he's a little bit more smoother. So as a result, you have more of like a Jeremy Hill usage guy, which we saw when he was in the Patriots, he was kind of utilized a bit more in a passing game than, say, the Sonny Michelle. So that's where I think there could be a little bit of a change, and I think Stevenson with the value is probably the guy I prefer to draft. All right, look out for, again, all the AFC East running backs, but the Dolphins. So this is they might be even more of a nightmare than the Patriots are this season as far as trying to project. I do think it's Chase Edmonds will be the lead guy. I'm actually a little bit higher than the ADP is on him currently. The ADP is at RB35. I do have him at RB31 at the moment. Only because I think of all the running backs, when you look at Raheem Mostert, when you look at Sony Michelle, who they just signed, I, I don't know if Miles Gaskins is really going to be on the roster come then. I got to think somebody's got to get cut, but even if he is, I think he's backup, backup until somebody gets injured. Chase Edmonds is going to be the guy who catches the ball. And I think that serves as a safe floor for him. Moving forward, he got paid the most money, so I'm kind of going off of that when I say Edmonds is going to be the lead guy. But how comfortable are you, Joe, with with taking a Chase Edmonds and when you start to look at the other guys and how they might mix in? When you have five running backs, you really have no running back. You know that's the problem. You know, I mean, it's just it's just the truth. Um, and my my colleague Andrew Erickson brought up something really interesting on a show this week earlier, which was. Of all that group, Sony Michelle is the only guy who's shown that he could be a three down back in this league. So if anything, Sony Michelle could be the one that's floating under the radar that people are ignoring. You know, they're looking at, oh, Raheem Mostert has a history. Well, he also has a history 
of getting hurt. And he's also 30 years old. And he's been in seven organizations in his career. So I'm not, I'm not going to overvalue him. Chase Edmonds, I like the talent. I think Chase Edmonds could be a lead back. But unfortunately, it's just never happened. In fact, right before he got hurt, he started to show the signs that he could be that kind of guy. But then the injury happened. And the next thing you know, James Conner just, you know, dominated the rest of the season for the Cardinals. So when you're looking at this backfield, I'd rather just kind of shoot my shot a little bit later. Uh, I agree with Erickson about maybe Sony Michelle's that guy and just kind of wait and see and, and let it all play out and, you know, take the cheapest guy of, of all of them, probably of the three. Uh, and see how it works. And if it doesn't, you can always cut him. But the Sony Michelle signing to me was more uh, troubling. If you like Chase Edmonds going into this year, than the Mostert one. Mostert's like, okay, he knows the system. He's thirty years old. He's always hurt. Forget it. Like that's that's nice. And people are freaking out about Mostert. I wasn't freaking out about Mostert. It's the Sony Michelle signing that to me was like, why are we doing this? And to me, that's the thing. If he's going to be that guy on the field for first and second down, he could also be that guy on the field for third down because he's shown you he can do that. In his career, he has done that. And he played relatively well at times for the Rams last year. But this is a mess. I'm going to just avoid the situation if I can. Well, that's the piece of advice that I want to I want to jump in on. Avoid it if you can. <laughs> but also, what do we talk about with the 49ers, the Patriots? Draft the guy who's most valuable. Draft the last guy. Because that guy is going to probably wind up having just as much value as the other guy who went six rounds earlier for absolutely no reason. So let's stick with that when it comes to the Miami Dolphins. We do got to hit a quick break. When we come back on the other side, we got wide receivers and tight ends to talk about. So everybody stay tuned to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. We'll be back right after this. Sweaty Sack Summer is approaching, and it's time for you to prioritize the comfort of your crotch. That's why the kings of crotch comfort, Manscaped, have spent two years designing the most comfortable boxer briefs out there. I've had the honor of testing out these new boxers, and I can say it's the softest fabric of any underwear. So breathable that it's like gills for your groin. They even trademark the jewel pouch, so you know it's serious. I think it's time you invest in your family jewels, so let your bulge breathe and get 20% off and free shipping when you use the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at manscaped.com. Let's say you're on a date and your partner catches that manscape on the waistband of your underwear. It's almost guaranteed to raise some eyebrows and act like a billboard on the highway to Pleasure Town. This is thanks to the Lawnmower 4.0, the best electric trimmer for below-the-waist grooming. This trimmer offers skin-safe technology designed to trim hair on loose skin. Outside of just ball trimming, they're now focusing their efforts on helping out your thigh slappers in other ways with game-changing boxers. These boxer features include the Jewel Pouch, a pouch designed to cradle your boys in their own special space, lined with perforated performance fabric, and keep them well ventilated. Basically, just imagine your balls sipping pina coladas, chilling on a hammock on some tropical beach. Get 20% off and free shipping when you use the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at manscaped.com. One more time. That's promo code BELLYUPFANTASY to get 20% off and free shipping. Once the Boxers 2.0 touch your sack, you'll never go back. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Welcome back into the MD's Fantasy Football Show. I'm your host, Dan Mater, joined here with Chris Dowhauer and our guest who must be on a a charity tour, because that's the only explanation as to why he'd sit down with us, Mr. Joe Pizapia of 
Fantasy Pros. We thank you for having you on. We're talking about the team profiles, AFC East. We got the wide receivers and the tight ends that we want to go through here in the second half of the show. And I just want to jump right into Obvious it. Obvious starters. Welcome back, Captain Obvious. Yes, I am. All right, we got the obvious starters, and, you know, our first obvious start was Josh Allen, the quarterback. Why would it not be his top receiver? Stephon Diggs comes up next. He's my wide receiver four. I'm actually a little bit ahead of the ADP, the ADP right now sitting at wide receiver six. I love Stephon Diggs, okay? There's no reason not to love Stephon Diggs. The targets have been insane the last two seasons. I think it's more likely with the emergence of Gabriel Davis that he's able to get his efficiency numbers closer to what it was in 2020. Maybe it's still not that sky high, but I think it'll be closer. And that's why he's my wide receiver four. I love him heading into this season. But Chris, what do you think about Stephon Diggs? Are are you taking him... The consensus is that there's a Cooper Cup, a Justin Jefferson, a Jamar Chase. Does he belong in that tier, or is he that next tier down? I mean, I think you can make the argument he belongs with Jamar Chase. I don't think he belongs out there with Cooper Cup or Justin Jefferson necessarily. But Jamar Chase, you know, as a rookie, had a great season last year. It's not guaranteed he's going to repeat what he did. Um, And I think that you look at a guy, Stephon Diggs, who's been doing it year in, year out. I'm not one of those guys necessarily worries about having weapons around you. I think that usually helps because less attention paid to you. If you're a good guy, you, you stand out. We saw that for Jerry Rice in you know, most of his career. So I think what Bob Diggs can bring to the table is really exciting. The only thing I have a little bit of trepidation with him is his red zone usage and touchdowns. So when it comes to the, you know, you know, full point PPR, it's guys with money in the bank. But when it comes to maybe half point PPR or standard scoring, you might have a little bit, you know, other guys would be enter the conversation around that area. Yeah, I mean, he had the same amount of volume as he did two years in a row, but he had a lower catch rate, lower touchdown percentage. So, Joe, what do you think about Stephon Diggs heading into this season? Does he is he in the top five for you? Yeah, he's in the he's five. Um, I don't think he's in that that elite that super elite tier, but he's certainly in the elite tier um, because he's very consistent, great offense, great quarterback. I mean, you couldn't expect him to repeat what he did the year before um, because it was just, it was insane. I mean, the the amount of times those two guys hooked up in his first year in Buffalo was unbelievable. Uh, I would still put Jamar Chase ahead of him easily and comfortably. I would still put Devontae Adams ahead of him. Uh, I know a lot of people have questions about Devontae Adams. I do not. I'm still very much into drafting him. Um, Adams and Diggs are in that, that next grouping. I think the three is the elite three. And people forget too, you know, Jamar Chase was a rookie. The first month of the season was a little slow. Joe Burrow working his way back from the ACL tear was a little ginger on that knee. And, you know, it took that offense a little while to get going, but uh, we're just scratching the surface of how good Chase could be. But I think Diggs is still in that, you know, I'm very happy at the turn. If you give me Adams and Diggs to start a team, I'll take that every day of the week. Lock them in. It's a lock. All right, I'm locking in Tyreek Hill as a top 10 wide receiver. Now, that's not crazy to say. His ADP is at wide receiver 7. I'm a little bit lower. I have him at wide receiver 9, but still locking him in as a top 10 guy. Not getting crazy about this. However, I think his days of being a top 5 candidate are kind of over going to the Dolphins. And it's it's not just because of the quarterback change, right? That's everything everyone wants to point to. It's also the coaching staff. It's also the play calling. Mike McDaniel comes from a long line, not just the Kyle Shanahan system, but he was the running game coordinator with Shanahan for a while now, dating back to even the days he was with him on his staff in Atlanta. So he comes from that mindset of, I want to run the football. It's one of the reasons why the Dolphins are such an enigma to me to be able to project in the first place. I look at their personnel. I'm like, ideally, you'd be a pass-first, up-tempo offense, but everything screams to me, you want to run the football because that's what your whole staff has been designed to be able to do. 
Chris, you look at Tyreek Hill. I think you're you're a little bit more on the other side of me on this as far as being down on him or, you know, two spots down on him, as I guess you could say. But you look at Tua, or I'm sorry, you look at Tyreek Hill. How much of a downgrade is it going from the Chiefs to the Dolphins offense, or is it one in your eyes? I mean, I think it's definitely a decrease. I mean, let's look at this question. Patrick Mahomes is a better quarterback right here, right now, and probably moving forward than Tua Tagaloa ever will be. Having said that, Tyreek Hill is still in a really good position to succeed. I like Jalen Waddell takes some of the tension off of him. I like the Wilson signing. They have a lot of pieces around him where last year you saw when teams were trying basically doubling him and Kelsey, Chiefs really struggled to do anything and to get him the ball. So now you can't really do that versus Dolphins offense. And Mike McDaniel thing, I think it's a little bit more tricky because, you know, it depends on where you splinter in that tree. Because, you know, Sean McVay worked with Kyle Shanahan also, but Sean McVay can feed the receivers the ball. So look at Cooper Cup's numbers, look at Robert Woods' numbers, look at all those different guys in those passing attacks. So that's where you might see something different. It depends on where they kind of splinter. Is it going to be more of the Kyle Shanahan as you're alluding to, or will be more the McVay tree? To me, that'll be the key to kind of define, you know, how high you can go on these guys or how high they're going to finish. Where are you comfortable drafting Tyreek Hill, Joe? Because I see him going from mid-second round, sometimes falling into the third round. Where are you comfortable with him? Uh, I'm not super comfortable with Tyreek Hill, period. Uh, you know, half of his games last year were wide receiver one games. And that was with Mahomes already. And, there, and there's been a little, you know, if you look at some of the, the numbers here, there's a little bit of decline in the speed, a little decline in some of the deeper peripheral numbers on PFF on Tyreek Hill year over year. And this is what happens with the smaller players, right? The smaller speed guys, when they lose that half step or lose that step, all of a sudden they are not the same player anymore. And I'm not saying he's done. Uh, but I do have a Dolphins wide receiver in my top 10. His name is Jalen Waddle because he saw 140 cool. targets last year. And I think he fits the style more so of what Tua Tungavailoa is, which is a quick efficiency passer who can get the ball out and, you know, continue to feed the guys he's comfortable with. And I think it's not that Tyreek Hill can't come in here and can't be very good. I think Tyreek Hill is going to have some huge games that will – certainly pad his stats so at the end of the year he might look like something of a fringe wide receiver one which is where i have him i have him at 13 currently but i think when at the end of the day i want that consistent floor guy i want that guy every week who's giving me point totals where i think tyree kill you know if you watch him last year he ebbed and flowed quite a bit and he's gonna see a lot of double coverage that's the other reason why i like waddle because when you bring that safety help down right? Because you're worried about Tyreek Hill being the guy that takes the top off the defense. Well, that means you're bringing safety help. That means the corner is not dealing with Tyreek Hill alone, which means that Jalen Waddle is going to be free. And Jalen Waddle wasn't free last year and still saw 140 targets. I caught 100 of them. So to me, Jalen Waddle is still that consistent guy who's got some upside too. Tyreek Hill is going to have some great games, but on a weekly basis, I personally rather have Waddle. And Waddle was my guy last year too. I drafted him as a wide receiver four last year on all my teams. And I would say, uh, of all the teams I had him, I think that four of them all made it to the championship. And it's because when you find a guy like that that can outperform ADP, and there's other guys like that in the draft this year, wide receiver, they can do that. The Pittmans can jump a tier. There's a lot of guys that can jump a tier this year, every year. And I think Tyree Kill might be one of these guys that we look at who gets drafted as a wide receiver one, but just misses out on finishing as one. I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 
So, I mean, Joe, you may not know this, but that's our debate button, and that's where I'm going to come in because Jalen Waddle was actually on my lookout for because I am not high on him whatsoever coming into this season. His ADP right now, wide receiver 14, he's my wide receiver 29. I am much lower on Jalen Waddle heading into this. Part of it's to do with the system. Part of it's to do with the trade for Tyreek Hill. So I don't think you can justify paying Tyreek Hill $30 million, giving up the draft capital that you did, and not have the emphasis to make sure he's the featured guy. And that's where my problem is. The system, generally speaking, when you go back, you look at Kyle Shanahan, you look at the Jets last year, they only they only seem to be able to feature one guy at a time. Last season, Debo Samuel, great, phenomenal year. And yes, Brandon Ayuk, by the end of it, finished as the wide receiver 36. But think about how that happened. The first seven games, I believe it was, when Debo was just acting as a wide receiver. He wasn't this, this wide back that he turned into in the second half of the year. Brandon Ayuk was wide receiver 69. Debo, when he started to become more of that wide back type, he remained you know, a wide receiver too, but that's because he's getting touches out of the backfield. That's when we saw Ayuk. Then he jumped up, I believe, to wide receiver 16 during that stretch where he got featured more as the guy to catch the ball. If that trend continues, which frankly I think it will, and he mix that with Tua, who's not been a high-volume passer, and Jalen Waddle, who depended upon that volume last season because the big plays just weren't there. Maybe they're there a little bit more now that you have the distraction of Tyreek Hill, but he was highly dependent on that volume. I don't see the upside for Jalen Waddle. I will say this. Uh, first of all, Jalen Waddle was the best wide receiver on, on his Alabama team. It was not Devontae Smith. Jalen Waddle got hurt. Smith got a ton of volume on the Heisman and got all the attention. But meanwhile, Jalen Waddle was the guy that every pro scout would tell you that's the guy we want on our team. Second, I think you are devaluing a bit what your eyes saw last year, which is comfortability of a quarterback in a relationship with a wide receiver, which really does matter, especially at this level of the NFL's confidence. So Brandon Ayuk is, and any other comparison where we're looking at, um, you know, coaches from other places and other successful teams when they come to another place with different personnel you can't copy and paste just ask matt Nagy. everybody thought matt Nagy was going to bring all this fun stuff over from andy reed's kansas city chiefs and none of it was fun all of it sucked things did not go well uh the one thing you could count on all those times was the one thing you knew already which is alan robinson is going to catch a lot of passes so at the end of the day you know sometimes we can't um it's important to look ahead and project but at the same time we can't lose sight of what we've seen and what we know. And it's kind of the reason why every year people kind of just take Mike Evans for granted. You know, Mike Evans every year is finishing as a wide receiver one, no matter who's throwing the football. And we somehow take him for granted every year. And I think it's it's good to look and say, yes, we can't copy and paste or draft a team from 2021. But we could certainly look at, does this player feel comfortable throwing the football to this guy and feeding him the ball? And I think the answer is yes. And it's not that say Tyreek Hill isn't, you know, I think there's a big danger when an organization like the chiefs says, no, we're not going to make this kind of investment in a player who's been really important to us and all this stuff. I think you're going to see a decline in Tyreek Hill over the next year or two. And I think the chiefs see that come and that's why they let him walk and they weren't going to pay him what he wanted to pay. And I personally think the dolphins are going to be a bit of a mess, but the one thing I know is that Jalen Waddle is going to get some targets. And I still think he's going to get fed the football a lot more than people realize. Okay, Chris, break the tie. Um, I mean, I think I fall in the middle between the both of you. I'm not. I'm not nearly oh, as bad. Oh, no, no, lousy. Well, because I think it's true. I think that you know, Jalen Waddles. I I cannot fathom being a top ten receiver this year. 
But I also not down on Jalen Wallace because, you know, he has Tyreek Hill either. I think that you kind of see a happy medium. You see guys, you know, two is comfortable throwing the ball, but two also had basically seven or eight passes per game. There were four yard passes to Jalen Waddle. There was like a, a, there was a glorified running game. They basically used Jalen Waddle last year for. So I think we look at the system changes and the team changes. I don't see the same kind of, you know, translation in numbers. He's going to have an opportunity. So that's where I think Jalen Waddle could still be a, a number two receiver or even another three, but I don't think he's going to be a number one. So if, I, if you're looking for that tiebreaker, he's not a number one receiver. I think Tyreek Hill is good, but the best receiver, you know, and week in, week out as consistency wise as well. Here's a fun stat. You ready for this? Uh, last year, Tyreek Hill posted a career low in yards after the catch, uh, which was 42nd, 4.3 last year. Uh, yards per route run was down to uh, 2.14, which was 11th. His A dot also fell. Every There was every indication that what Cheetah was a couple years ago was starting to, and look, he's a smaller guy. So the pounding of the NFL takes its toll on these guys. And as great as they can be for a short period of time, I'm just concerned again about the durability of Tyreek Hill. And I'm concerned about him starting to lose a little bit of that step. And when you, when you enter in the, the, the time to throw the football deep, the ability of the quarterback to throw that good deep ball, all those things. I don't know if he's the great mesh for this offense. And I think second year wide receiver, Jalen Waddle might be sneakier than people realize that if he's going to flip slip to 16 or 18 or whatever the hell you want to draft him at 20. Great. I want to be in all the leagues with you where I get Jalen Waddle at 20. And that sounds good to me. Let's go. <laughs> We're a little pressed for time. So let's get into the next Look out for. So I want to talk about a few receivers in, in, in this one quickly. And we get to some tight end talk. We have the Jets receivers and we have Gabriel Davis in this segment. So I just want to say this about Gabriel Davis. I think a lot of people are high on him and I'm no exception to the rule. His ADP is at wide receiver 38. I am at wide receiver 26. I have a pretty good feeling that by the time we get to August, I might have him even higher than that. When we saw him get the opportunity to finally be that starter, we're talking eight targets a game. We're talking over an 8% touchdown rate. I mean, the guy is big play touchdown City, does anybody disagree that he shouldn't be a guy that everyone's going after as the big breakout receiver this year? Uh, I like Elijah Moore. I think the breakout becomes a little difficult if you don't believe in Zach Wilson. Uh, what I do like is that Elijah Moore was good with every other quarterback they threw at him. Doesn't matter if it was Josh Johnson or Eli White, who, Mike White, whoever the hell they throw out. It doesn't matter. Elijah Moore showed you that he could play. So that I feel okay about. Um, but once again, it's hard to have a breakout season if you don't have a great offense. Chris, what do you think about Gabriel Davis, Elijah Moore, Garrett Wilson? Where are you at on those three as, uh, in general? Gabriel Davis is definitely the top of that board for me. I, I, I love Elijah Moore's talent. Um, I love Elijah Moore kind of does. But I think the one thing is you you brought up the coaching schemes. Uh, the Jets last year really struggled have two receivers at all ever do anything. And that's not all on Zach Wilson. That's a lot to do with their offensive play calling. Um, and I think when you look at their personnel, Braxton Berrios, Elijah Moore, um, you know, adding Wilson. they got a lot of slot receivers. For an offense, like to have guys who out there can block. So I'm really concerned about what he can do upside-wise compared to Gabriel Davis. All right, let's move into the tight end. Lock him in. It's a lock. I'm locking in Dawson Knox as my top 10 tight end. I'm a couple spots lower. ADP right now at tight end 8. I do have him as tight end 10 at the moment. I'm just a little bit lower because of what we just talked about kind of with Gabriel Davis. The guy's a touchdown machine. That might take away from Knox, who was touchdown dependent last season. But I do think he was coming into his own at the same time, too. It might establish himself as a go-to target for Josh Allen within this offense if he's able to stay healthy. But what's your take on Dawson Knox? Are you worried about 
you know, Gabriel Davis coming into the play? Do you think he can't sustain what he did last season, Joe? I think Dawson Knox can be a fringe tight end one. Uh, I think he's somewhere around like the 12 spot uh, is, is reasonable for him. You can go anywhere between 10 and 12 or 13, I think is reasonable. You can make those debates. Uh, but I do like Gabriel Davis. So therefore, you know, his acumen to find the end zone, which you saw in his rookie season. And you saw last year towards the end, once again in the playoffs last year, Gabriel Davis in the red zone is, is a real thing. Uh, so I think he's got some appeal. I don't think he's not nearly the appeal of guys like Dalton Schultz or, or guys even like Hawkinson or Goddard or Zach Ertz for that that uh, sake either. Because Zach Ertz is going to have no DeAndre Hopkins for the first six weeks of the season and certainly got his fair share of targets last year. So I think Knox is low appeal. Him, Gesicki, all these guys, you know, Hunter Henry's very touchdown dependent. Most tight ends are touchdown dependent. I think all these guys are fine as fringe matchup plays, but I don't think any of them stand out to me as like, yes, I want to get that guy. I'd much rather... If I think I'm looking for upside at tight end, looking at guys like Njoku, guys like Logan Thomas, those are the kind of guys I think could really jump a tier that are cheaper than these guys are. Look out for... Chris, help me out with this one. Uh, Joe just mentioned Mike Gusecki. I have him at tight end 12. That seems to be where his ADP is at the moment, too. I think the overall question is volume, volume, volume. Is this Dolphins offense going to put out enough volume for Tyreek Hill, for Jalen Waddle, for Mike Gusecki, for the running backs to eat? Does he is he able to maintain that fringe top twelve territory in your mind, or are you kind of out on him? I'm not spending the draft capital on him. I think if Mike Kosecki falls into my lap, then I'm you know a great, wonderful. But where he's falling at no twelve, like you're talking about, Joe named a lot less different guys. I think there's a lot of different tight end options going into this year. You know, throw Cole Clement out just for a name, for example. So when we look at what he, what he was able to do, Kosecki last year, I didn't really see the breakout I was kind of hoping for with the limited you know guys available for that passing attack, and they brought him back. It's a one-year deal. He didn't get, you know, he isn't extended necessarily long-term. So this offense really going to be built around trying to get Mike Gusecki the ball. I think they have higher priorities with the running attack and the receivers. So I think Mike Gusecki could be that guy week in, week out. You can't really have in your lineup. Um, guy's stream option has a lot of upside, you know, touchdown-wise, but it's not a guy I'm spending draft capital on. Be cautious of. All right, we're going to end the show on this one. Be cautious of the Patriots' tight ends. And Joe, I want to ask you this. Is Janu Smith really going to be forgotten about completely like he was last <sighs> season and Hunter Henry just leads the way, or are we just going to see a repeat? You know what? It's not investable. That's the best answer I can give everybody. It's just not. <laughs> and and it should be because everything showed you that they were interested in him. He could be a big mismatch kind of guy. But you know what? It. This is important. If you don't see it working, stop trying to make it work. Stop trying to, you know, beat yourself over the head with things. It's like the people who still want to make Kenny Galladay happen in the Giants offense. I'm like, guys, it's just not happening. I don't care who's coming in, who's the coach, whatever it is. If it happens, great. I'm not investing in it. So when it comes to the Patriots, you can invest in Damian Harris. You can invest in Mac Jones. The rest of it is all just speculative. It's streaming guys. It's Hunter Henry. You know what? If you, again, Hunter Henry is going to catch touchdowns in this offense again. What they do with Johnny Smith, I don't know. But now that you bring in Devontae Parker, there's less targets to go around. So I would not be looking for Johnny Smith. And CJ Uzoma is a, is a, you know, I think a better tight end than he gets credit for. That's a fascinating, like, two tight end league kind of guy to pick up. But Conklin's there, too. And Conklin had some moments last year for Minnesota. So I don't know, man. I think the rest of these guys, I'm just kind of walking away from. <laughs> they might be streaming options at some point. But, Joe, I want to thank you again for coming on the show Tell everybody, where can we follow you at, and what do you have coming out soon that you want everybody to go check out? 
Well, first of all, it's thank you for having me. I appreciate the the time and then the invitation. I love talking football with everybody, so it's just I'm happy to do it. Uh, and secondly, it's probably easier to uh, avoid me. I mean, I think that's that's <laughs> way too many. I'm way too many places. Uh, of course, hosting all the Fantasy Pros uh, podcasts over there, um, hosting all the NFL content, all the MLB content, some of the betting content as well. Uh, the new Fantasy Football Black Book is out on Amazon. Phenomenal group of people working on it this year. Scott Bogman, Andrew Erickson, Derek Brown. Uh, it, the list goes on and on. It's just a tremendous group of people that I have who are contributors to that. That's out right now. Uh, and it is, it is the most comprehensive dynasty publication you're going to find. It's the most comprehensive. We have 150 IDP ranks and, and, and uh, blurbs. You know, we do stuff nobody else is doing. So if you're really serious about fantasy football, and you have relative position value, and you have the depth of knowledge of the guys that we have putting this thing together, there's nothing better. And, of course, you can follow me on the Twitter machine at JoePizzaPS17. There you go. And he's a tremendous follow at that. Make sure you check out that book, too. It's a great, it's a great value to have for your fantasy Thanks. leagues. Guys, we're going to be back next week, Thursday, 10 p.m. Eastern, on Belly Up TV, on Roku, on YouTube, on your favorite podcast app. Make sure you tune in because we're talking about the NFC South Team Profile Series. Give us a follow on social media at Show. We'll see you next week. Everyone have a great weekend. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Start a journey, not a fad. Kick off your fitness journey with up to $500 off Peloton Bike, Bike Plus, or Tread packages. Choose the package that will take your training to the next level with accessories like our cycling shoes, heart rate band, non-slip grip dumbbells, and more. Join now and you'll see why 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. All access membership separate. Offer ends January 8th, 2023. Excludes Bike, Bike Plus, and Tread Basics. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.